Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to buy more cars! <laughs> That's right. It's grunt work. Creeping down the junkyard in the... Tim got his socks knocked because of what he sees. No soon as he saw it, seems it got flattened by some worker with a Binford and a bloodhound. You want to make some noise? Make some noise. I make a phone call. My wife coming like the American Picker Boys. Swing down, sweet Covert. Stop and let me ride. Hell yeah. Swing down, sweet Covert. Stop and let me listen to grunt work. The only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that needs an oil change. It's soon. it's been more than three thousand miles. I'm feeling I, I, that's that is the three thousand mile myth does not apply here. We, I, we I don't think we've either had our uh, tires rotated either. But I am your host, Landon Junkyard Dog Solano, joined always by my co-host Truman Repo Man Caps. Truman, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Landon. Ordinary fucking people, am I right? Um, <laughs> I hope you uh, appreciated the callback to our appearance on the R- Tope Boys uh, podcast because you chose uh, Repo Man as your favorite wrestler at that time. Wait, no, I chose IRS as my favorite wrestler at that time. Oh, Thank you right. very much. Shit. Repo Man does not talk about state level tax policy in the rec- wrestling ring. Only IRS <laughs> does that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Although Repo Man, uh, better known by his other wrestling persona as Smash, mm. uh, part of Demolition with uh, Crush and Axel, which would be very fitting for this episode. That, that would be. Also, Crush and Axel and, and and Smash, like that sounds like if they had Wrestling Week on Tool Time and the K&B guys came out because now they're all amateur wrestlers. <laughs> Which also, why did it, why have we not hit that storyline? That would be amazing. That, that needs to be a tool. Yeah, that needs to be their last appearance. That is more. That that is so much more thematically appropriate than than any of the like four cooking episodes they've done on Tool Time. How have we not had the salute to wrestling? Oh my God, I don't know. Um, Truman, welcome Landon. and listeners, welcome to twenty twenty three. It's good to be here, man. Good to be here. The year. That the video game Perfect Dark is set in. I know. I know you're Ooh. as excited as I am. I'm going to sign up for the Carrington Institute. I am going to get my Falcon Two. I'm going to infiltrate Data Dime. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you? Well, I'm. You know, I'm going to have the gun that shoots through walls. So I'll see you waiting. <laughs> well, I'll just be down that long alleyway where there's that one ammo room. Uh, and I'm going to set up my turret there, so every time you walk down the room, you can't hit me. Landon, it's weird that we've known each other for this long, and we haven't had a really in-depth, perfect, dark conversation, because that that game, <laughs> actually, that, that, the writing fan fiction for that video game is the first domino in the series of dominoes that leads to, uh, my current life as a unemployed writer. Um, <laughs> was it, was it your gateway drug to writing, too, or was it just, uh, was it just, you know, you know a, a youthful I've diversion? I've never written fanfic. Oh, Landon, you gotta you gotta get on that train, man. You don't have to think of characters. How does or anything. one begin? All right, let's do a. Since I don't have a preamble this week, yeah, uh, let's let's, talk let's, about fan let's just go into 
let's go into a quick side note here. So okay. if I were to write fanfic about home improvement, where do I start? I mean, you go to fanfiction.net, definitely. If it's the early 2000s, there probably was a V-Bulletin message board for home improvement, and people were writing fanfiction on that bulletin but board. But I'd say I if I want to write it, how, how, do I, how do I start? to do a fanfic oh how do you start to do a fanfic i mean gosh i think well first off you identify uh, a storyline that was never explored on the show that you want to see so perhaps okay. tim dying Allie, jill getting married <laughs> uh-huh okay uh, so we, we've identified plenty of those yes so and then i think at that point I, I, at that point, you just you just go, man. That's the beauty of fan fiction. You just take someone else's characters out for a spin, and uh, and you know you 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 drive that oh. Austin Healy of a story. <laughs> well, I, not for much longer. <laughs> well, no, that's the, so that's the thing. That's why you got to do it now. So I think you just. I mean, I don't know. We may or may not have already made up an entire episode of Home Improvement at some point in our in the series. So I you have we all did. the I, tools. I you think need. it was like season one. We we were on a. Um... Let's recap that real quick. I'm trying to remember what it was. We were on somebody else's podcast, and he had asked us to write what we wanted the reunion to be, I think. Oh, yeah. And, what, and it was, yeah. I I can't remember what, you, we both came up with something. I can only kind of remember mine, but not in detail. I, I, something like, Al was, Al's now owner of Binford. He bought yes. out Binford. Yes. And was going to bring Tool Time back, and thus reaches out to Tim, and... It does Tim the have boys to... are coming home for some reason. Yeah, but yeah, like the, it's the boys all haven't been home at the same time in a while or something like that. And also, yeah, they're out back because you know Earl Hindman is dead. You know Wilson has passed away, and the fence has been taken down. Right. And isn't it that one of the boy, like Brad, then buys yeah, think... Wilson's house? I think it was Brad that lives next door now. Yeah, and they start, but like the episode ends with them rebuilding the fence. <laughs> No, I remember. Like, oh God, <laughs> that, that was from, that, Tim, Tim, Mom and Dad have moved back. We got to put this fence back up. <laughs> I mean that, but I mean I think that honestly that's that's pretty good because on the one hand you want to be bringing down the barriers between your family, but also you kind of need to put that barrier back up, especially if your dad is Tim. <laughs> I think that one was came from you also, so I think you really get um you know I can be executive producer, but I think you get the created by credit. All right, thank you. Uh, on fanfiction.net for all that internet. Uh, it, did, is that a fanfic? Did we do a fanfic? I think we did a fanfic, Landon. We've 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 done a couple fanfics about home improvement without even knowing it. And and I think every time, every also every time I call one of the boys by another boy's name, I am also creating a fanfic in which that boy is fulfilling uh -huh. that role. So I've spawned infinite I, universes. I think... Do people make money off a of fanfic? Uh, well, I mean, uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey lady did. Um, and That's fan fiction. I mean, it start. Yeah, it's it was initially a very popular Twilight fan fiction. Landon, did no one explain this to you in 2012? I'm so no. sorry. I if I had known you, know, I would go from vampires to BDSM. I well, when uh, I mean, well, there were a lot of um, uh, people who read the Twilight books and got horny for them, and then like a lot of fan fiction uh, springs from people wanting to take characters who they have strong connections to and put them in sexy situations. Hence, the preponderance of Star Trek gay fanfic between Spock and Kirk. Uh, so, someone mm. basically tried to sex up Twilight by putting BDSM in it, and then that was such a popular fanfic that they got a publishing deal to just make it a story about uh, non-Twilight characters. So, okay, uh, so well, one... Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is you should check the fanfic boards to make sure that none of our listeners have written up our fanfic stories and are making money off them. I, I, look, look, I'm, I'm going to be... 
I'm, I'm, I, I will do that, and I don't want to dismiss you out of hand. I would say that I think that the likelihood of anybody making money off of non-sexual home improvement... The notion of people making any money off of home improvement fan fiction in 2023, fairly laughable. The idea that that would catch on without there being a sexual element to it, just absolutely not. Are you telling me all fan fiction, the successful, anything that gets read has to have a sexual slant to it. I will tell you that my perfect dark fan fiction did not have a sexual slant to it because I was like 10 and the only thing that really got me going was <laughs> violence, which is far more acceptable, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to say that I'm going to say that probably 90% of fan fiction is overtly sexual and 99% of the stuff wow. that gets uh, really known is uh, is particularly sexy. Um, so what what overlap is there between fan fiction and deviant art? I mean, it's it's I'm not going to say uh, I'm, Venn diagram isn't the right word. It's not exactly a it's not necessarily a circle, but it's it's like kind of a lumpy. It's a very lumpy circle. There is a huge amount of overlap <laughs> and get that checked out. <laughs> I, there's a there's a lot of things you shouldn't check out on deviant art. And I mean, no disrespect to any of those communities. I'm just saying uh, don't just don't just wander in there thinking you're just going to get some innocent like, uh, you know, graphic design stuff because it can go to some places. Well, that, that's. I mean, listen, when I set out, it wasn't this year, I guess it was last year, to, on your birthday, send you nothing but Austin Powers furry fan art. Yeah. Uh, Mission complete, by the way. <laughs> I went to DeviantArt first and foremost. Yeah, I know. Well, that's, I mean, Deviant is right there in the name. If you're looking to send somebody <laughs> uh, some weird references to something from the 90s, uh, what better place to go? You know, but also, if you want weird references to stuff from the 90s, another good place to go is this podcast, uh, where we, mm -hmm. you know, usually talk about home improvement, and indeed, uh, we watched some of it today. Um, <laughs> way to, way to steer that back. I mean, you threw your back out trying to get this <laughs> episode back be out, because, because the longer we talked about fan fiction, the closer we'd get to you asking me what my fanfics were about, and we're not having that discussion on air. <laughs> Well, you told me they're about perfect dark and violence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't ask for what other franchises I tried to cross it over with. Okay, so uh, maybe shall I give you a synopsis then? <laughs> German, can you please synopsize at least two of your fan fictions? <laughs> okay, so first, in Perfect Dark Meets the Hudsucker Proxy, you're never going to believe who they choose <laughs> to run Hudsucker Industries. That's right, Joanna Dark, the agent of the Carrington Institute. <laughs> Um, Truman, what did we watch this week on Home Improvement? <laughs> this week on Home Improvement, Tim sees his first ever car in line to be crushed at a junkyard, so he buys Jill to let him buy the car and restore it to save it from the scrap heap. At first, Jill refuses because she believes it's ridiculous for them to buy yet another car, until a conversation with Wilson helps her to understand how important it is for men to own as many cars as possible. When Tim goes back to the junkyard to buy the car, he sees his old car has already been crushed. So Jill makes the ultimate sacrifice to help Tim's dreams come true. Do you want to guess that title? Not even, not even commentary. Yes. Three options for this title. First option, Carnage. I mean, I think it's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next. L going to a destruction derby <sighs> as a driver. Fan fiction. That's so good. That's so good. And it's called Carnage. Yeah, I know. Well, of course it is. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, can we actually write that? Like that's like the, that's you know we just kind of <laughs> lean into to uh, Mad Max Fury Road with that one. Uh huh. Yes. 
Um, okay, this might actually become the, the the ninth season of Grunt Work is going to be us reviewing the Tool Time uh, or the Home Improvement fan fiction that both we and other people have written. Um, okay, great. All right, second option: Tim's Big Crush. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I like that one a lot. Thank you. That Thank one, you. It took a second, it sunk in, and yeah, it, it sits real well. Yeah. It, yeah. Much like chapstick, once it fully absorbs, uh, it makes the whole situation better. We had a big. <laughs> that was that was before that was before we recorded. Big, Truman. We were having a big off mic conversation about chapstick and other forms of moisturizers. We, you know, it's, it's we live glamorous the word lives. Slathering was thrown about. <laughs> and and not in relation to mayonnaise, which is the main way I use the term. <laughs> the, the the secondary way is in fan fiction. <laughs> What's your third option? My third option is My Fair Corvair. Ooh, ooh, that one just... That just I like some mayonnaise. I really regret doing those noises, but that as, tasted really well. As, as, do our, as do our misophonia listeners. Hey, gang. <laughs> Maybe I edited Sorry that out. Sorry about that. But the more the more Please, jokes I hope you did. The more jokes that I make about it, the more I'm going to decide to leave it in so that I can get the benefit <laughs> of the larfs. I, I know we do have at least one patron person who is uh anti that noise. So um our, our, do what you can. Yeah, our biggest patron who also lives in my house. So yeah, I'm I'm incentivized to minimize oh, the then, mouth sounds. Then we have two. Uh, <laughs> the the masses are gathering. Oh god, okay, yeah, there's already pitchforks outside our, our door. Um I think you said the title of this episode actually in your synopsis. Really? Yes. Oh man. Uh. uh and this, uh, the, the here's your clue. The title is exactly what it is. It's like Jill's mm. birthday. Oh no. Oh God, Landon. <laughs> it is it Tim's first car. It's Tim's first car. Episode, can I speak to your manager, please? <laughs> okay, Tim's first car. Great. Our auto-generated, it's like when it's like when Microsoft Word, when you just save it, and it just saves the first three words of the document as the, as the, the file <laughs> yes. name. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, Co-written by Windows 95. Okay. Um, Tim's first car yep. first aired on November 10th, 1998, directed by Peter Bonners, mm-hmm. written by mm-hmm. Kim Flagg and David Maples, two first-timers okay. for Home Improvement. Huh. Um, looking at Kim Flagg here, she's gone on to produce uh, things, things, contributing or consulting producer on Last Man Standing uh-huh. and on Assembly Required. Wow. Um, Keeping it in the family. Interesting. Looking at her writing, uh, she has written two episodes of Home Improvement, so we can see her again. Okay. Uh, she wrote the. She was a story editor on the the special that comes after Home Improvement that we will eventually watch. Okay. Okay. I was going to ask, and I'm glad we're we're being thorough. Uh, the eighth and the annual TV Land Awards and one episode of Last Man Standing. So, wow. she's got some connection to Tim Allen. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty strong connection, I'd say. David Maples, our other writer, mm-hmm. uh, he is primarily a writer. He has written, uh, and this is his first of four episodes of Home Improvement, so we will see him again uh, this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of all over the board with some stuff here. Huff was that a Kelsey Grammer? Huff? No, no, what, there was Boss. I, 
and there was boss and yeah that's there, what I was there was boss and Huff, there was Huff hank. Was hank azaria you 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 mixed up i think you combined boss and hank into huff <laughs> huff is hank azaria yeah um he has also written in plain sight murders in the first rogue um yeah so those are our two writers uh curious what your thoughts are going to be on them Truman, before we get into how you felt about this episode, I have a comment on your synopsis. Okay, yeah, get a comment on my synopsis. And it's really a comment on the episode as well, and just the general writing. It sounds like we're More sneaking into f- your reflections first. The phrase, first ever car, is so confusing. Because it doesn't, and they run into this issue, but they don't really address it, of like, first ever car, it doesn't really like, explain the ownership portion of it like this is the like first this car is the first car owned? i owned not and then it's like oh yeah well i see you know I, every once in a while i see the first car i own too he's like no but this is the first car i owned this is the one this is you know it's hard to hard to get that point over i mean i i don't know like i guess for me it was like oh yeah i guess this is the first car like this is the first car Tim had. This is the first car he bought with his own money or something like that. That to me, was like, okay, I mean, I guess it's kind of surprising. We haven't seen this car yet. Uh, like, wh- wh- well, true. Yeah. I mean, is it- I, I think that they did a, a really well, and I'll save it for the deep dive, but I think they did a good job of uh, indicating having certain like little tiny details indicate that it was his, what he was looking at was the car he owned, not, the same model as oh, the car he owned. Yeah. Okay. So, like that, he's like the the differentiating between. See, you, you were even confused by what I was saying. Well, yeah, I didn't know it was like yeah. I mean, the concept of the first car he's owned that makes sense, but it's like making clear that oh, this specific car, not just oh, it's the same model year. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, well, he does go on that whole run when he first sees it about like oh, it was the same color and this same model and it had this same yeah, Western that, Michigan. Yeah. That that's the detail that I think they did a good job of adding to go, you know, to to help make that land because once we get to the end of the episode and we'll get there in due time, basically two Hopefully. hours from now. Yeah. Um. The it, it makes you know, I don't know. It, it you needed to have that groundwork in order for that end to work. But mm-hmm. yes, I mean. So how did you feel about this episode? <laughs> well, thanks for asking. I uh, I feel like you know. I mean, it's it like I, I I feel like haven't we seen this before? You know, I I, yeah. I I feel like much like a car that you get from a junkyard. This episode feels like it has pieces and components from about twenty <laughs> other episodes that are sort of all duct taped together because it's like Tim wanting to get a new car and restore it that has some sentimental meaning to him. It's like that. That happens a lot on this show. I've seen that a bunch. And Jill not liking that idea, uh, th- that also happens a lot. Uh, Jill eventually yeah. coming around so Tim can get a car. That happens a lot. Calling eccentric mechanics and junkyard owners all over town in search of exotic <laughs> car parts. Tim and Pee Wee last season. Like I'm, Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so it's, it's a combination of that with then also the fact that this episode should have been a bigger deal. There should have been... Emotionally? Emotionally, yes. Because yeah. Tim is mm-hmm. a man who we know one thing about. It's that he's obsessed with cars. I 
I, who am not obsessed with cars, I legitimately cried for, like, I was sad for about a week after I had to sell my first car. I That Subaru wow. Legacy, it meant that I, I hate driving. I do not like cars particularly. You do not currently own a car. I, I've not owned a car in six or seven years uh, in L.A., flex, but uh, I... <laughs> I, you know, I, I felt such an attachment to this car, and it really meant mm-hmm. it was beyond just, oh, it's got a big block V8. It was more just like, yeah, I spent... What, a- what, what did what did your Subaru have in it? Oh, uh, you know, there was an engine, definitely. I think it took gas, as I recall. Um, <laughs> you know, you got your standard steering wheel, a uh, few seats. Um uh, you know, and if you check in the glove box, not only is there a manual, there are a bunch of old envelopes and stuff that I put in there. And, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, uh, V8 floor mats, I think. Um, kind of <laughs> dirty. It's funny you say that because I, I had a moment when I sold my first car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, a Chevy S10 um, pickup truck. And mm. it was... Um, I don't want to say I was overly emotional about it, but I definitely had a moment and I was taking lots of pictures and stuff with it. Cause it was something my grandfather did with his trucks. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't feel like it was undue, but I do remember at the dealership when we were trading it in for the next car, uh, my dad told the, the dealer, Oh, it's his first car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, because as if to explain it all away, and it's just like you know my behavior, and I'm like, well, I don't feel like it needed that kind of explaining, or that, I, and I also simultaneously didn't feel like I wasn't falling into the trap of, well, I'm going to keep this picture of my first car in my wallet for the rest of my life. <laughs> like I certainly cherish that first vehicle, um, and I sometimes think of like, oh, if I could get a completely electric version of that or you know whatever the the most eco-friendly version of that car running on vegetable oils yeah right what i mr fusion from back to the future (laughs) yeah throw some beer cans Uh, in there yeah would i would i opt to get that same make and model with you know the the modern technology in it and i don't know that i would Hmm. like just because you're like some things are best left in the past we should move on Uh, i think there's a little bit of that yeah um and just you know i i I, i'm not someone who looks backwards very much so well well, uh, you you should when you're driving a car that's kind of important for (laughs) for safety's sake maybe it's better you aren't driving a truck anymore i i mean look i that's why you have the little beep beep button (laughs) that's that yeah that i think that's called a horn uh at least in my car it was no the backup button beep 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 your car had a beep beep button for backing up oh man (laughs) I, I didn't have one, but trucks do. Yeah, okay. And that's, that's why they have them, so that they don't actually have to look behind them. They just put it on so that it's every, everyone else's responsibility. Truckers, I guess, are the most self-actualized people in our society. They never look back. They're only they're only looking forward. <laughs> Leave that perfect idea. I remember being very concerned when I like. I agree. If I could, if I could get my '97 Subaru Legacy back, but full of electric car technology. I still, I don't, I wouldn't either. It just, it, like, I have a lot of the same issues that Jill does. Where am I going to keep it? Why? We already have this, you know, it's not a thing that I need. (laughs) Well, if you, yeah, that's more Los Angeles than it is you, you know, your car stuff. I mean, if you were living in an area where you needed to drive and you had the space to, you know, you had a driveway or whatever, 
I I suppose that's true. And it was a very practical car with a lot of storage space. Um, I think my... But I also relate to Tim seeing that the car is about to be crushed and feeling very viscerally afraid because this is... And I, uh, I am... This is a dumb thing to say out loud, but I guess I'm already talking. I've already been talking about writing perfect dark fan fiction and crying when I got rid of a car. So hey, what I I'm total humiliation is in for 2023 for me. Um, but I remember <laughs> when I I had to sell it to a mechanic because the car was falling apart. Like I sold it for like 300 bucks, and I remember then seeing a thing on the news. This is like 2013, 2014 when ISIS was uh, really taking off, and they were they were blowing up the name on everyone's lips. And seeing some news article about a guy who saw, like, a plumber in the U.S. who sold his truck for parts and then six months later saw it on the news being driven by ISIS in Syria because, like, you know, the people, like, basically junk cars get bought up and fixed up and sold in bulk to developing nations, etc., etc. And so I had this very real fear for a while that, like, ISIS people would eventually... Like, oh my, my old car <laughs> would get sold to some dealer shipped to the Middle East, and then there's, like, an ISIS guy with a machine gun mounted on the back. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, so if <laughs> You I, are writing very nihilistic fanfic about your old car. I mean, look, don't, I would, don't, don't, put it, don't put it past me, honestly. And honestly, uh, <laughs> if I look back at my old fanfiction, there were a lot of vehicles with machine guns mounted on the back of them in it, so it would be true to my kind of aesthetic. Um... <laughs> But no, but like if I had if if I had known if someone had told me, hey, uh, your, your car is on the next boat to Syria unless you come down here and buy it back for 160 bucks, I might have done it under those circumstances at the time in 20, you know, that as, mm. a, as a younger man before I knew about the wonders of the L.A. metro system. Um, there you go. So the point is, I relate to the emotions of this episode, but this episode doesn't really... Like, Tim wants the car back, but then when he sees it destroyed, it's immediately just, like, you don't really get him... The laughs that come out of it are him immediately making snide jokes about it and not him being really sad and upset and trying to deal with those feelings, you know? Yeah, but I don't know. For me, and I'll I'll keep mine brief so that we can get into the deep dive, I, I, I agree with you, um, but with the, the kind of earmark of... Unlike previous episodes that we've covered recently, I didn't really see an alternate episode. Uh, you know, I think the episode beats are good. They just, I don't know, I agree it should have been a little more heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the episode structure, I don't think I would change, really. I think it's it's a just a fine structure. It's a fine episode. Um, doesn't bother me in any way. Not that that is a, you know, <laughs> criteria we need to judge against, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it was just kind of a serviceable episode to me, but I, I agree. It could have been much more impacting. I, I, I agree with you. Serviceable episode, not bad by any means. I think it's just that this is the episode where we see Tim's first car. We see Tim watch the yeah. first car he ever owned get destroyed. This should feel... Like to him, this should be more traumatic than when he thought Randy had cancer. I'm just like this. I'm just yeah, gonna say it. Th- I, <laughs> you know it's true. Well, uh, it is true. But th- this should be when that car gets crushed. That should be a moment when the audience is beyond reproach in terms of their response. Unlike we've seen on previous episodes, it's like 
really you got the audience wound up for that joke uh i and it's really just barely any reaction from the audience on this one well yes but we also i think we're still a little blown out from 90 seconds of rapturous applause for tim wearing a monkey suit a couple weeks back (laughs) right right oh my god uh anyway let's uh what do you say let's avoid some tetanus while sifting through some junk but stop to pet a dog but absolutely not under any circumstances, bring back Freddy while we venture out to the deep dive. Okay, so I'm guessing Freddy is in a junkyard in one of the movies. Or wait, no. His, his bones are buried in a junkyard and then a dog pisses on it and brings him back. Wait, that's that's in the first Friday the 13th movie? <laughs> that's in the... The fourth Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Okay, okay, I'm so okay, okay. Obviously, I get them mixed up. <laughs> whatever, whatever. That's fine. Dollar in the jar, or probably ten dollars in the jar, given how big those franchises are. Uh, I'm just okay. I was just worried that that dog pissing on bones was the first movie of the franchise that, that brings no. back the horror villain, because that's only Leprechaun can pull that off. And also, Leprechaun <laughs> waited four movies for pissing on on a corpse. Yeah, to bring the corpse that's back. the other thing. You either go to space or you piss on things. Or, or in the case of Leprechaun, you do both. Which is which is why Best Picture 1997. Um, <laughs> so we start with tool time on location in a junkyard uh, where they're walking around talking to the junkyard owner, uh, uh, whose name is. Uh, what the hell is the guy's name? Larry. Larry. They're talking to Larry, the junkyard owner, uh, and just Larry's showing off how well he knows where everything in the junkyard is. And then Tim spots, uh, it waiting in line by the crusher, the first car he ever owned, like a 68 Chevy Corvair. And uh, Tim is shocked by this. Yeah. So, I, okay. Um, I don't even know where to dive in first with this. Uh, I... <sighs> Have you ever been to a junkyard to start there? I mean, I don't think I have. I've been outside of one, maybe. I think there were a couple times my parents had to drop off a large amount of trash or, like, an old couch or something. Mm. So I kind of... But they were like, stay in the car. Uh, but, no, I've never <laughs> been to one. Have you been to a junkyard? <laughs> if it was, like, this one where you like, which car? Yeah. <laughs> and then trapes off. Yes. Disappear into the labyrinth of old wrecks. Hey, it's hey, it's me, nine-year-old Truman. You know what I love? Touching dirty things. I'm going to go get in one of these cars. <laughs> Covered in germs? That's not a thing I obsess about constantly. I'm a fun kid who loves being outdoors. <laughs> so what about your junkyard experiences, though? Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever been to one. Um, I think I have just fake memories of going to junkyards because they factored so heavily into like 80s cinema, uh, especially kid cinema. But yeah, um, honestly, yeah, I don't think I've ever been one. Yeah, junkyards, I feel like are kind of like quicksand in the sense that they're that thing that (laughs) pop culture is suggesting you're gonna have to deal with multiple times in your life. But right. No, it's really not a place that you ever need to go to unless you're in a movie or TV show. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just, there's, there are places in action movies where, you know, uh, an assassination or a, a deal goes dirty, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or they're the, all over the place. Or the, anyway. the, the place in the, in the kids movie that the plucky kids have to break into. The, the kids on The Simpsons have to yeah. break into a junkyard when they're uh, going over to Shelbyville and there's like, stand by me, they've got to go into a junkyard. I'm sure there's maybe got- one of the kids have built a fort inside of one of the cars. I feel like the reason for it is that uh, the the fees to rent a junkyard to shoot 
uh, TV show there are probably pretty low. It's probably a fairly gettable location. Um, do you, okay. Let's talk a little bit. Oh, what do we want to talk about? We talked about the car a little bit already, so we'll we'll get back to that. Let's take a little detour to like. I miss Al. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you miss Al even I though mean, we had an episode nominally centering on him and his love life like four episodes ago. But that was four episodes ago. I, know. I feel like since then he's just had like three lines in a tool time on location. And by the way, why are we on location so much? What in the hell are they doing to that set? They are they are building they are building like a, a synecdoche New York world, the man's the man's <laughs> universe on that set. One hundred and fifty thousand actors, of, you know, daily budget greater than the U.S. GDP. They are they are creating the manliest environment it's like the biosphere of 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 testosterone uh the man's tool time (laughs) the man's man that's just it they're they're it's frankenstein is happening on the set um so okay let's uh so i miss al uh that we'll we'll say that and i miss miss heidi Mm -hmm. it's it's you you see it's like a hostage video you see them briefly to know that they're alive and then they disappear again yeah i don't know i i just it's uh there's something a little bit i i i miss the the back and forth between the main episode and the home imp- or the the tool time set yeah um and i don't know i i don't i want to say that heidi and al's personality extend beyond it but i just don't feel like they're themselves unless i see them there yeah yeah uh, this is again why why it just is uh, you know, it's one. It's an episode that doesn't have kind of a, a standout like, "Hey, there's everybody coming together." There's a there's a moment right. with everybody firing at all cylinders. It kind of just sound, you know, it's like here is the here is the government mandated tool time segment. There is here is the shot about you know here's the <laughs> shot at at Al's appearance. Uh, you know, right. here is the here is the fart joke. Uh, let's move on. Here's the grunting. I'm not going to say how much, but there was definitely I, we got smacked oh. in the face right out of the gate. I definitely earmarked that for later because I think it's going to be quite the conversation. Oh, boy, everybody. Keep listening. It only gets better from here. <laughs> uh, I forgot we do have a secondary time, a tool time episode uh, within this episode e- that uh, I liked a lot better than this opening. But. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. Otherwise, uh, we find out that the ashes of the original owner, Hernando, of this junkyard are in the ashtray of an old car, which, if you like junkyards, is honestly a pretty cool way to, to spend eternity. Not a bad, bad way to go, right? Mm-hmm. Unless that car gets crushed in the Benford 6100 car crusher. <laughs> yeah, but your ashes. I mean, who gives a shit at that point? Like, maybe you get crushed hard enough, you become a diamond or something. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, I don't know. Is that What do they do with crushed cars? Do they recycle that metal and like turn it into I don't know aluminum foil or something? I, I think they be do. wrapping a baked potato soon. I, oh my god, that would be now. This, <laughs> who who says heaven? Uh, whoever said heaven is a place on earth was talking about specifically uh, when you get wrapped around a steaming hot potato, served up to somebody in idea what what an Arby's, Wendy's, what fast food place <laughs> serves baked potatoes? I don't think they're using foil though. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe not. Well, yeah, if you're. If you're if you're bad if you're good in life you get turned into the foil wrapped around a baked potato. If you're bad you get turned into whatever they wrap around the baked potatoes at Wendy's. <laughs> uh here's something we've never seen on the show before. Mm. A basset hound. Any <sighs> kind of animal. I feel like this is our first animal spotting. No wait. No, we must have seen another animal before now. Like another dog, certainly. 
Not, I don't think we've ever seen another How? like character animal. Like maybe in the background of a, you know, a fair or something. It would just be so wild. How have they never had animals on Tool Time? Wrestlers or animals? It does. It, they, like they they needed an animal this low key to sit in place. That's why you know you don't work with children or animals because they will ruin your takes. So they could, yeah. So okay, astronauts four times, the Andretti brothers three times, former President Jimmy Carter, but not a single animal is is uh, good enough to rise to the level of Tim Allen, who routinely hisses well, at people like an animal or grunts like an true, animal. Very true. Uh, and you know maybe they just don't respect them because this uh, basset hound. Unfortunately, is uncredited, so we will never know the the, the long career uh, that this prolific uh, character animal had. Uh, you know, I think that the Basset Hound requested to not have its name on the episode because most of the jokes are about how the Basset Hound loved to <laughs> hump Tim's leg back in the day, which is interesting playing against type because, as we all remember from Stand By Me, the junkyard yeah. dog will eat your nuts, but this one, this one has only good things on its mind. Uh, are you suggesting that Richard Karn is some kind of Alan Smithy, not the blue, uh, um, you know, anonymous name since he doesn't want to be associated with, or, or does Al Borland use an Alan Smithy for tool time? Yeah, I think, yeah, well, except that, he, that, that I think Al Borland is the Alan Smithy name and his, and his real name is like, I don't know, uh, Fred Stinkwater or something like that. And he doesn't like, he just lives a whole separate life. Like <laughs> he would never, he couldn't even put that on the resume if he was going to interview with Tim, because Tim wouldn't allow there to be an Al Borland when Stinkwater is on the table for jokes for the rest of his his life. Yes, that is one reason that Al lives a double life. The other one is so he's not associated with Tool Time. Like he basically all of the times we see him on the show is the one week a month that he's taping. And then the other three weeks, you know, he drives back to Texas and lives his normal life as Frank Stinkwater. Uh, and so no one knows that he's on tool time. Uh, I want to read this fanfic. I, what does he do? <laughs> what does Frank Stinkwater do in his spare time? Uh, his job is mounting machine guns on the backs of trucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, um, I don't know. Do we have, do we have more for this scene for this junkyard full of wonders? Uh, well, just I think uh, worth just reiterating since it's such a vital part of the episode of uh, the moment when Tim finds his first car, mm-hmm. uh, and <clears throat> odd that it is like the the actual first car uh, that somebody has like. I know I was kind of think about it. you mentioned that as well. Like what's what's the afterlife of your your vehicle? I had a um I inherited a Silverado. Uh, from my grandfather when he passed, and I had I brought drove that thing out to L.A. and then like. This was back in the day cost was like seventy five dollars a time to fill it up. And I'm like that that was 15 years ago. I can't imagine what that would have been like um, in twenty twenty dollars. Yeah. So I sold that. That was more emotional for me to do than selling my first car. Mm. Um, But I, I always kept an eye on the road to go, well, which worker bought it? And mm-hmm. you know, turned it into their their work truck. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see it? I mean, it was a white Silverado. I could have seen it a hundred thousand <laughs> times and never known it. There was no Western Michigan University sticker in the front window. You should you should have put some kind of huge bumper sticker, some very distinctive. You know, I, I guess keep on trucking would have been appropriate. That 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 way we would have known. And it's less likely to get taken off because anyone driving that truck is by definition trucking. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, but like that's 
I, like the the emotional attachment that you make to to a vehicle, though. I mean, I, I kind of I, I wish that the show talked more about that in like Tim always talks about it through this lens of masculinity and like ah working on a car it's the most manly thing whereas it's I feel like it's just a human thing like you spend a lot of time in your car it's kind of a home away from home in a lot of regards and you make a lot of fond memories there and I guess you know he and Jill do talk some about that at the end you know talking about their first date in the Corvair but I I don't know I I I guess as someone who has felt a strong connection to a car, I kind of resent that that is portrayed as just, uh, like, being obsessed with hot rods, wanting to fix up cars, sure, that can be a dumb man thing. But just the fact that you uh, have, you know, a lot of, you know, sentimental attachment to a car, that's, anyone can do that. Yeah. I, I will admit, though, uh, my note here, as soon as I started to see what was developing, was not another hot rod, finish the one you got. <laughs> Tim would be the worst at an all-you-can-eat buffet. He's always getting back up and loading up the plate before he's <laughs> before he's done with everything, and then he gets full and leaves and a bunch of uneaten food. What's what's more of a buffet than a junkyard to Tim? Either Tim or to one of those goats that uh, eats tin cans. A junkyard is a delicious place. Uh, I am glad, though. I'll give the, the episode points for this, that he didn't just buy it outright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that felt like it would have been a, a uh, an easier episode to do, and then the it's like him and Jill arguing about it for the whole episode, and her coming to realize that he bought it because it meant this, you know, like coming to the same realization just through a more annoying way of going about it. Um, so I do like that he kind of showed some restraint and wanted to go talk to Jill about it before he made the purchase. That, that's a super good point. I really, um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. He did the right thing of. <laughs> Coming home, buying something nice for his wife, and asking permission to do a thing, which is what we would have criticized if he had just gone ahead and bought it. So you know what? You're right. Hats off to you, episode. Hats <laughs> off to you, Tim. This is good. This is there. You go. Yeah, you have this improved. Is, new writers injecting injecting logic into things. Why? Why? Yes. With this, you know, fresh burst of energy, this show could last a thousand more years. Um. <laughs> so. Yeah, so do we do do we want to do you want to go back home with the with the tailors? Yeah, or do we, we want to stay at the junkyard? We get a we get a transition of a bunch of hearts going around the basset hound's head. Uh, because so because it because it was in a relationship with Tim's leg. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> uh, hum, hum. That takes us to the theme song, and back home where Jill is. Uh, doing some work and mark comes creeping down and around the corner with his camera filming her yep yep uh yeah mark is still making his documentary still still making wry commentary about uh his family uh brad meanwhile uh is in the middle of applying for colleges and lamenting the fact that eh, so many people uh, are doing video applications to different schools and uh, Tim and Jill come up with the idea that, uh, well, Jill comes up with the idea of having Mark shoot Brad's uh, college admissions application video. And then Tim comes home with some presents for Jill and asks to uh, be able to buy this old car. And Jill lists a bunch of reasons why, no, we're not going to do that. I want, I, okay, so my notes for this scene aren't very revelatory. It's more about the nuance here. Mm-hmm. And this, it's all about the performances. Mm-hmm. I really felt the eight seasons here yeah. of their relationship. Yeah. Um, like when 
Jill is making the the kind of quirky comment to Mark about filming Brad's video. She's got this like I don't know way about how she's kind of teasing them a little bit. She's I don't know she's kind of like her face is dancing a little bit. And it's like you don't get that in season two. No, you know where you're still trying to wrap your head around the character. Like this is just very lived in and comfortable. I- um. I think, you know, I, I agree. I think you get this sometimes in season two, specifically between Patricia Richardson and JTT, because I think that they got to that point first. But now I think we're mm. starting to see that kind of level of relationship with her and Zachary Ty Bryan and uh, Taryn no- and Taryn Smith. Well, I, I think it's, it's on all of the actors' parts. They just feel like... They know this house. They know, you know, they know each other. They know each other's timing. And, yeah. you know, like, it just, it feels like a family. And, like, another example of this is when Mark, or I'm sorry, <laughs> well, when Mark comes down. You just wrote no, a fanfic I, now, dude. <laughs> nope. I'm fanficking myself here by adjusting in the moment. Uh, Mark comes out, and it was the whole thing. When, when, but then also when Brad comes in. Seamless. Um, <laughs> Brad comes in, and I don't know if you caught this. He just comes in and goes, "Hello, yeah, what? like super high pitched, sing songy." <laughs> and Jill's like, "Hey," and it's like, "Where the? F- what was that about?" I loved it. it. It it felt like they were all just sort of playful on set that day. You know, they were all just yeah. ha- they were all really loose and having fun. The crew was into it. Like it, the fact that they left that in and went with that take. Well, and and it's like. I think it's also the writing here of every character in in that interaction. Just the, before Tim comes in, let's just take that sure. section there and go. Mark is coming down filming. Mm-hmm. Jill is doing, you know, her her therapy work, and Brad comes in carrying his sports gear. They're all serving their characters in the the show. Not coming in, you know, Mark's not just coming in with his arms crossed and being the joke assassin. Yeah. You know, he's actually doing something that shows the depth of his character. Same with Brad. Yeah. Same with Jill. And then you see the interactions where it's like, well, Jill's a psychologist and she can kind of see the the dynamics here. And she's like, well, why don't you take your filming and apply it to Brad's, uh, you know, sports thing? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It just, it, it all comes together so nicely and I it, I'm sure it helps with the comfortability with it. Yeah, and, and I don't know, and it also it also tells a story about where Brad is at in his life certainly about hey, mm-hmm. applying for colleges, getting ready to go to school and the the way I I don't know, it's a good way to get Brad and Mark together where they both have something to do and it's not Brad, watch your dorky, lame brother who you hate, who or or oh my god, can you believe what Mark is wearing? It's like they right. they both have things that they want, and they are kind and they are working together on it. And I I don't know. I mean, it's I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this probably didn't deserve an entire episode, but it would have been cool to see more of you know the the two of them working together and trying to collaborate and shoot this thing. Obviously, yeah. I under the episode doesn't really waste time so like i understand there wasn't a lot of room for this and i think it's a perfectly right. good b plot but i also i don't know i picture them ha- i'm writing fan fiction in my head about them having good times making the video <laughs> well okay here's a question for you since we, I, I keep having to remind myself we're in the final season here yeah <laughs> um we, they're not letting us forget mark 
here mm. with his camera because he came in a couple episodes ago. It might even been the last episode. Yeah. Um, making you know one or two jokes throughout the episode with his camera. Yeah. Remember he came in and said, ah, yes, the family delusion or mm-hmm. delusion of man. Yeah. The, uh, uh, for he, more information, visit your public library. Yeah. He, he says that he will finish the hot rod in three weeks. Yeah. That's something like that. Right. Yeah. He's making so a So he's clearly, the show is clearly peppering this in. Uh, same with Brad. We had a whole episode about him <laughs> going to England to do soccer mm-hmm. uh, or football. Yeah. Um, where, where do you think it's gonna wrap those stories up? Where, where it's gonna wrap up the the Mark story? We're in the final season. Yeah, uh, they they have to like when they do the the American Graffiti title card for each of these characters about where they ended up after the show. Where do you think they're they're leading us uh, to to end these characters? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I see Mark probably, uh, you know, following in some version of our footsteps and and moving to L.A. to try and be in the movies. Uh, (laughs) I mean, well, I don't mean like I don't mean post show. I mean, where do you think the show is going to show us? Like, what what do you think they're going to give that character as closure for the show? Oh, you mean like what the last thing we see them doing is? Yeah. Uh, What's what's Mark's brass ring going to be? Hmm. It's, it's going to be him showing the movie that he's making about the family, I think. And that's going to be, mm. maybe that becomes, I don't know, maybe that becomes the a little kind show? of diegetic, yeah, clip show within the series that, that, like, the characters are watching with us and everybody cries and everybody hugs Mark. I don't know. I don't think we have a clip show ahead of us, maybe, but that would be an interesting way to do it. I mean... What about, what about Brad? What about Brad? I mean, it's got to be... I don't know. Is it that he gets into a really good school? Like he both gets a scholarship and it's like, cause he's applying here. He's applying to the university of Pennsylvania. And I never thought of Brad as an Ivy league kid. Um, (laughs) And so I, I um, yeah, maybe it's, it's him getting into a really good school and getting a full scholarship. So that resolves that both honors his jock plot line, but also kind of honors the on and off storyline about him being insecure about his intelligence and like him proving Mm -hmm. that he's actually smart, even though he acts like a dumbass a lot. Wow. That's a, that's a really great um, summation. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's that's years of writing fan fiction, baby. I'm good at looking at fictional (laughs) characters and making up what happens to them. Okay. So Tim comes in, he brings Jill a little gift uh, and it's the uh, Gabor sisters sampler pack (laughs) I mean, of, of cosmetics or lotions. So that, and is that, and that's a bad thing. Like, is that like Zsa Zsa Gabor? I thought she was glamorous and famous. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, kind of tacky at that point. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So, okay. So yeah, this, this is, this is Tim's idea of classy that anyone else would think is. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Like, oh, Jill loves those, you know, floral scented lotion things. I'll just grab the first thing I can find. And it's the, you know, the Gabor sisters. It's, I got you. It's a, it'd be the same as like before the cultural reassessment that Elizabeth Taylor was one of our finest actresses who ever lived. Uh, when I was growing up, it was very much like, oh yeah, she's <laughs> diamonds and perfume. Ah, super tacky, you know, gotcha. Gaudy living. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Tim saying, Hey honey, I got you a gift. You see, it says live, laugh, love on this coffee mug. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Here, I got you this, this wall hanging and it has a list of things that we do in this house and uh, spoiler alert. They're all pretty heartwarming. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Brad and Mark have been thrown together to make this thing. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. And Tim, yeah. Tim has come in with the beauty sampler. I love that when Jill 
gets the sampler. She says, oh, this is so thoughtful. You're not getting another car. Like, she just knows before he even asks. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, like, comedy shortcuts that I, I'm always happy to take. Yeah. Um, and I was really impressed with the way the rest of the scene went. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, I, I guess it does, to some degree, undercut the, the sentimentality that you were talking about, but, like, my note here was, get him, Jill. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like he just keeps going, yeah, but this is my first ever car. Uh and she's like, "But no. How about you you do the one you have? Yeah. You don't have room for it. I don't want it in the driveway. Uh I don't want it, you know, gathering rust yeah. and being an eyesore for months and months and months until you figure out what to do with it." Um also, she doesn't outright say it, but she, I think there's subtext there of like, is there ever going to be a point in our lives when you're not working on a car? <laughs> no, she she doesn't say that. She does make the, the the point that she makes. I think that is the most salient is also this will cost a fortune for you to restore, and we need the money for the kids' college funds. Yes, <laughs> it's like you've got a you've got a kid in there making a, you know doing an application to the University of Pennsylvania, and you're like, hey, what if I dumped a bunch more money? Besides the money I'm already dumping into this other old car, into this new one. Um, <laughs> no, you, but it is, you're right. I It is a fun conversation between them because Tim is never really angry in it. And all of his arguments for getting the car are kind of pathetic and rooted in his nostalgia. And Jill is making all these really good points for why this is just not worth it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love the last line and I wish I'd written it down, but. Oh, um, I did. Oh, you did? Okay, because it was like a, one of the best buttons to a scene that we've seen in a long time. Uh, the, the case that Tim is just making, like kind of last-ditch Hail Mary, saying, come on, what are the chances, this is destiny, what are the chances of me crossing paths with my old Corvair? And Jill goes, better than the chances of me letting you bring it home. <laughs> so succinct and so good. Get him. Get him. Get his ass. <laughs> like, like in, in terms of the sentimentality and everything, I'm like, honestly, in this scene, I'm fine with it. Like, Tim is just saying, hey, mm-hmm. please, can we get it? It's just that as the episode goes on and he then watches the car destroyed, there's not a greater yeah. sense of, of like, it doesn't seem like a greater sense of loss. But here, this is this is great. This is Tim, you know, Tim doing Tim doing Tim and Tim doing Tim in a, you know, nice way that doesn't make me upset at him. He's not saying, oh, women don't get why cars <laughs> right. are important. Kids' college right, isn't important. Right. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, the, Tim's, off that, Tim, Tim's catchphrase, this isn't important. Yeah, I, I, Everybody would just clap when Tim growls that something isn't important. I've seen, I've seen it on so many t-shirts. <laughs> off of uh, that uh, chance line, we get a roulette wheel transitioning us to a little bit later where Mark and Brad are actually working on the video. Yes. Um... And uh, yeah, Brad is trying to trying to make like Colin Mockery and just improvise his way through it. But um, that, well, actually, it, much like Colin Mockery, it winds up being remarkably funny. But uh, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, and Mark is having a tough time uh, keeping keeping everybody on track, especially once Tim and Jill start making cameos. Yeah. Uh, well, Brad. Oh my God. Okay. Let's just first and foremost say uh, I just got through a big project of having to interview people and doing talking head interviews. Oh boy! Uh, first and foremost, don't wear a hat. If you're going to be interviewed, <laughs> don't wear a long brimmed hat because there's just a shadow over his face here. And all I saw was not Brad Taylor, but the Detroit Pistons 
Well, I, you know they they financed this episode. They're the they're the big sponsors of Tim's uh, <laughs> Tim's Man's Universe that he's building. So they they actually we had to have this. <laughs> I, um, and then my God, the '90s of this. I mean, but so your your advice is uh, for people being interviewed: don't wear a hat, but definitely speak mm-hmm. in rap esque rhymes, right? <laughs> Because, yeah, this, this, oh my God, it's so painful, this, this white suburb affectation of gangster talk is cringeworthy to the highest degree, mostly because I fell victim to it myself at the time. I I mean, it feels, yeah, it it feels so real. This is the burden that every, every white dude who was around in the 90s carries of having done something like this at one point, maybe with a camera pointing at them. I don't live with a lot of regret in my (laughs) life, but if I could go back and change one thing in my life, it would be the two month period when I was obsessed with saying I eat. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I that's I'm proud of you that you only had it down to two months. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think my my self defense mechanisms allow it to go any further than that. It probably was longer, but I, I the the cringe becomes too much to bear uh, if I mentally let that memory go longer than two months did did, was there an intervention did you come home and your your family was all sitting in a circle and said landon it's not i eat what you keep doing to us (laughs) (laughs) they should have they should have and they did sit in a circle and watch the video that me and my cousin had made where i said it over and over and over again so (laughs) wait wait the situation was primed for it is this just a a video of you in a suit and tie sitting at a desk looking into the camera saying it 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 or was there some greater storyline to it (laughs) tonight at eight it (laughs) the answer may surprise you (laughs) <laughs> um but by, by the way for some context what brad says into the camera is yo yeah. yo yo what's up i'm brad i'm bad this is my pad and, and he's also standing in front of a bunch of soccer trophies as he says yeah. it even better well and you know they do make a joke that he doesn't know what to say uh you know as he's improvising it and ends up with the rhyme of I don't know what to say after Brad. This is my pad. So they do try to make it a joke and like they aren't taking this stupid talk seriously. No, this is this is not the show thinking that this is cool. And honestly, I as someone who routinely tries to uh, wing things on the fly on this show and fails at it, I'm pretty impressed with Brad coming up with multiple rhyming words in a row without planning it ahead of time because that's difficult. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um. There's not too much of the scene, though. I mean, he's doing this thing, and Jill comes over. Uh, he pulls his uh, he pulls Jill in at one point and says, "You know, as much as I love soccer, uh, no matter what I'm doing, I'll drop everything for my main mom." And Jill's like, "Okay, yeah, she's <laughs> maybe maybe this is the wrong approach you're taking." She says, "Honey, you're landed on real thick." <laughs> and he, I guess refers to her as like his main lady, my main mom. Like he first calls her his main lady, which is very strange. Uh, and then Tim comes in and says, oh yeah, today I found my, my first ever car, a 64 Corsair. (laughs) Yep. Yep. One track mind. Um, I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. (laughs) Um, uh, it's a pretty short scene. Yep. And, uh, I, I guess maybe worth mentioning that, um, 
Brad does at one point go, well, what do you want me to say? Just my name's Brad Taylor and I would love to play soccer for you. And she's like, that's a better start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I earlier I said, oh, we I, I wanted to see more scenes of them making this video together. I guess we do get a couple solid scenes of hijinks and goofs between them. So I, I rescind my earlier. Well, this is critique. Yeah, this is the only one really well i mean i feel like there's some more goofs at the end when they're when they're watching the video you get two scenes of goofs that's pretty good for a b plot yeah. okay yeah yeah you know in this in this world um, of ours so we get a butterfly that transitions us outside uh where wilson is putting together a gazebo for his friends uh and another continent getting married i don't know how he's gonna ship this thing and jill comes out <laughs> I, to talk to him what I, do they talk about i thought the i thought the irish friends were coming to detroit to get married which Oh, it makes more sense. Yeah, you know, because everybody wants to leave the beautiful Emerald Isle to come to suburban Detroit to get married in a guy's backyard. Um, well, uh, I don't know if you're a sister of a dull man, you might. That's a Banshees of Insurance joke for you. It, yeah, well, Landon, I am going to cut off one of my fingers and throw it at your door until you stop making references to... Uh, well, except that's a movie I did see, So, but every time you make a reference to a movie I didn't see, then I'm going to... Uh, throw a finger at your door. Those guys were basically a <laughs> podcast. You realize it's like two podcasters who have a rift. <laughs> that's why our uh, our motto is "I agree" and we are in agreement. That, that's that's why we agree to both be equally dull, so neither of us uh, <laughs> we, n- neither of us ever start some weird uh, you know uh, parasocial uh, 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 man drama. Um, Welcome to Grunt Work, the only TV show, or only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that still has twenty fingers and toes. <laughs> and um, and you know what, my my tiny little donkey that lives in my house also still alive. Hey, folks, I hope you saw this uh, little inscrutable indie <laughs> film that Landon and I apparently watched because otherwise the show's even worse than it usually is. So <laughs> I would call it inscrutable and indie. I mean, it's fucking Martin McDonough who made the. Best Picture winner a couple years ago. Oh, God. Okay, I suppose that he did. I just find it... I found it rather difficult to scrute. Um, so... <laughs> so, Jill is talking about Tim's equally inscrutable obsession with getting a new car. Wilson talks to her about how much his first car meant to him and how men uh, define who they are as human beings by four wheels and an engine and uh, and how it represents freedom and independence, etc. And Wilson helps her uh, compare... Uh, Tim's first car with her first apartment, which was a space that she had a very uh, important relationship with. And that seems to turn Jill around. Yeah, it does. It certainly does. Um, I know there's I, I never really have much to comment on in the the Wilson scenes. I will, there was a moment, though, I was a little worried. As we've seen, I feel like in the last season or two where Wilson's like, well, not so fast there. And I'm like, are you going to start to take a, a, a turn toward you know, defending Tim. Yeah. Uh, which, I, you know, they didn't do at the very beginning of the show. Uh, but I don't know. It, it pulled back from the brink and was like, yeah, you know, I, I still had a, you know, I still have a thing for my first car. And he pulls out his wallet and shows her um, the first car he had. I don't remember what it was because I'm not a car guy, but yeah, I didn't write it down either. Um, Yeah, I think I think it is worth reflecting on how strange it is that Wilson is a car guy. He doesn't own a TV. He doesn't watch sports. He, you know, seems to be wholly obsessed with anthropology and intellectual pursuits, but he nonetheless, like, you know, he's got an old Cadillac, the admittedly one that Tim got him, but like he had, you know, he drives an old classic 
sports car around. It's like this doesn't seem like uh, it's it's just every every man on the show has to even if nothing else that they do. There, there it's, it's not. It goes beyond that. It's not even. It's anyone who's in Tim Allen's orbit because we've talked about this in the Santa Claus episode. Yes, yeah, this is There's true. No reason for her to know the car of the Audrey Hepburn movie. Yeah, but she knows it because she's starring opposite Tim Allen. There's also no reason for him to know the car from the Audrey Hepburn movie because all we really know right. about him is he's a former toy executive who now lives at the North Pole and has no car. Let's not rehash all that. No, but let's not. Even in this, like, Jill gets a Healy. You know, she becomes a car person after driving the Nomad. Then she gets the Healy. And, you know, like, if you're in Tim Allen's orbit, you're automatically forced to be a car person. I, I, yes, it's like it, it's like some sort of zombie virus or something. You you, <laughs> you, know, you get you get bit by Tim Allen on the moors, and then every time there's a full moon, you start grunting and talking about big block <laughs> engines. Um <laughs> I mean, but Wilson makes some good points, though, about how the, your first car representing freedom and independence. And I, I think he does kind of articulate the sort of emotional attachment that you and I both uh, formed with our cars and does it in a way that is not really masculine centric. So, OK, I guess that's another box that yeah. I complained about that has been ticked. Um, <laughs> the, a, a moment that I I that delighted me here is that, you know, Wilson going, ah, well, nothing was more exhilarating than getting behind the wheel of the car, revving up that engine, and racing off to your first Mozart festival. And people, <laughs> there's, there's you know, some light laughter from the audience, and you hear one guy in the audience just go, yeah! And <laughs> it's, the, it's the yeah guy's back. <laughs> he's, he's, he's shown his head here before. The, the, but the yeah guy's back, but he's shown his head for Mozart. He's like, yeah, magic flute, woo! <laughs> like, I think it must just be like, some sort of writer's room assistant who just threw in one joke uh, and has never been promoted to actual writer uh, or, you know, producer on the show and uh, just gets excited when this one line ever gets picked up. The, or, or maybe it's like, you get paid 50 bucks if we use your joke. <laughs> yeah, there's just there's just one really uh, there, there's one really dorky guy in the writer's room who doesn't know anything about sports or cars and is only there to to like he's the one who writes all of the Wilson bits basically it's like okay we've got one person here <laughs> right. who's the Frasier of our writer's room who comes up with all these and that was him in the him in the audience <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh we go back inside and Brad is bouncing a ball off his head and Mark's filming uh the next segments for their thing and um Tim is making some food yep when Jill comes in to debrief him about her talk with Wilson. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, they talk, and, and Tim is talking about how, oh, I'm making dinner to, so I won't think about how much I want to have that car, and that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Don't don't make a thing of it. And I, I have to admit, I respect, A, Tim is making dinner. B, Tim has yep. accepted what she wants, has recognized her position, mm-hmm. and is, yeah, he's still talking about it, but whatever, he's a character on a sitcom. But he's, like, not being... <laughs> mean he's saying i am channeling my feelings about this into helping out around the house which is like okay cool right. tim good yeah like i like you you're nice um <laughs> i don't know if i'd go that far um but yes yeah, so, so she tells him hey i've thought about it let's uh you should get the car wilson has agreed to store it for us mm-hmm. now uh my note there is just in all caps jesus because <laughs> Wilson's garage is already full of his car. 
Wilson's house we've yeah. seen. Wilson is Wilson has less space than anyone on this show. I don't know how Wilson is <laughs> going to store true. a car. Though, are we ready for a new theory that Wilson might be a time lord and that the inside of his place might be like the TARDIS? I, I mean, that would make sense. I mean, his house already seems to have magical properties to it in terms of, you know, <laughs> how much how much stuff can can uh, get fit in there. I I don't know. Or maybe maybe he maybe this works for Wilson because having having the car like he can just keep more shit in the car. Like Tim goes back to get his Corvair and he, <laughs> he, he opens the door and a, and a whole pile of like shrunken pygmy heads just rolls out of it at his feet. Like, oh my God, oh Jesus Christ. I don't know. I mean, that's the kind of shit Wilson would have. And he's like, ah, but we're we're better to keep it than under the seat of a car parked outside in the snow. <laughs> I guess so. Uh do you have anything else for that scene? We can keep going. I mean, no, Jill just tells him, yeah, go ahead and get the car. And Tim is Tim doesn't yeah. believe his ears at first, but then he charges off to the junkyard. Uh, and it's this is the scene I, I totally understand. So we go, we have a crane shot as Tim's walking through the line of cars mm-hmm. to, uh, to to make his purchase. Mm-hmm. And he walks up to the trailer where the the what do you the foreman what do you call the junkyard owner um i don't know oh, the owner of the junkyard yeah I guess. yeah the junkyard owner <laughs> foreman probably works too i don't know the junkie i mean it's not a it's not a construction site the, but the junk um the jalopinist <laughs> i i would watch a show called the jalopinist <laughs> it's about a it, it's about a like what it's about a cop who solves crimes by communicating telepathically with cars that's not a fanfic. That's an original <laughs> story. Only, only jalopies, though. <laughs> yeah, no. it's, he's he's like Jeff Goldblum in vibes. He can only <laughs> he, he has to put his hands on a car and he can tell everything that's happened in it. Ah, uh, yes. Well, you thought you could get away with it, Mister Henderson, but you didn't count on the fact that there was an '82 Dodge Celica with a bunch of dents in it in the back of that parking lot where you <laughs> killed your mother. <laughs> <laughs> he can see through the headlights of any car. <laughs> yes, and he can see better if one of the headlights is busted. <laughs> oh my god. Whew. Um what happens in this stupid scene? <laughs> uh, Tim goes back to the junkyard, he's hammering on the on the jalopinist's door to to get him to to you know let him buy the car. He's having some dialogue with the Basset Hound. And then he looks and sees his car getting uh uh, pushed into the crusher and coming out totally flat on the other side. And Tim seeing his, you know, his first ever car that he has this great attachment to be destroyed. He just turns to the dog and says, I blame you for this or something like that. Um, yeah. Very, very angry. Yeah. And so this is, and then of course the, we fade out. But before we do, after after that angry line, we cut to a, a shot of the Basset Hound. And for some reason, his tooth glints. What? <laughs> like Charlie's tooth growing back at the end of Santa Claus 2. You said There's we weren't going to do this. off his tooth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, the, 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 the movies are infecting the show. Um, I, I also, why would the dogs, t- like, is this implying that, that the dog was running the the junkyard the entire time that that the jalopinist was just you know uh, like what like an actor that the dog hired over the phone just a robot an android that the dog had assembled over the many years clearly because the the dog is a 
immortal apparently yeah the, the guy who owned the junkyard when tim was young is dead but the dog is still alive when they tell tim at the beginning oh no cuddles is still alive tim's like that can't be that cannot be possible <laughs> um so yeah this is the scene where i totally get what you mean that watching it does not watching it get crushed does not have the impact for us an audience or even for the character of tim to justify you know the 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 personality that we've cultivated of Tim over these years. Yeah. Um, I do want to bring out though. Mm. Is it kind of a dick move on the gelapinous part to put it, like Tim was there like what yesterday? Yeah. It was, and he's it, like, I think I might want to buy this. Uh, hold on. And the guy's like, okay, you certainly can. Uh, <laughs> as long as it's, you get here before it's gone. Yeah. It's like, but could you just like, would you rather just sell the thing rather than crush it? Like, what what profit are you making by crushing it? Yeah, you, you've got... It's not like you're short on other old cars that you can crush. Like, And it's not like the car right. is going to get any junkier like, right. or less crushable if you wait another day. <laughs> so, like, I guess fuck the gelapinous. But uh, also, were you expecting it to come out in a cube? I was to completely expected to come out in a cube like in the movie Goldfinger, the preeminent car crushing scene in all movies. <laughs> they, this just flattens the car, and it's like, well, that doesn't change much space-wise. Yeah, right. I mean, you could stack more of them. Yeah, I guess. That's for sure. But you were stacking them already. Like, Yeah, no, it's not. It, it's just the same. It, the car ha- occupies the same footprint. It's just flatter and it's not even that this is kind of the money shot of the episode and we really don't get that much detail we don't get tim like walking over and crouching down and and like tim for right. scale seeing how how tiny this car is now um yeah yeah i don't know yeah it was not it was not the crushing that i was hoping for <laughs> if it, yeah yeah uh, our, our our hopes and dreams got crushed it, pff, yeah well they got flattened but not cr- if our hopes and dreams got compacted <laughs> into dad, a right. cube I would have been okay with it. That's my greatest hope and dream is to be compressed into a cube. <laughs> oh, um, I my most of my notes come in the the next couple scenes. So, do you have anything else from this that you want to talk uh, about? No, I don't. Other than just that, if you're if the linchpin of your episode is a car getting crushed, you really just need to deliver on the crushing. Um, yeah, agreed. So Tim gets home. Um, afterwards, mm-hmm. he is upset and he's mad and Jill is worried that she's mad at him, but Tim is mad at himself for ever selling the car in the first place. And he's also upset that, uh, the sad irony is that the car crusher was a Binford. So yeah, that's, that's just, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of, and, and then I guess well, and then, and then he goes upstairs, Jill and Brad are talking, Jill feels bad about having, contributed to this by denying him the ability to buy the car sooner and brad suggests that she find a corvair frame for him and jill says oh that's a great idea yeah you know okay so this is the one part of the episode where i'm like um (laughs) i hate when you make that sound (laughs) 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 where i don't like I, i can understand like even in the next scene jill wanting to find the you know, the frame for, for Tim. And I I don't like Jill assuming the responsibility. Yes. Uh, And it, you know, I guess it kind of starts with her. Like the whole exchange is like, Tim comes in and says, I'm an idiot. Uh, They crush the thing. And, you know, um, she's like, for, are you an idiot for listening to me? And he's like, well, for starters, but 
I'm to blame. And he goes on, but like Jill's like, oh, so if you hadn't, if you hadn't listened to me and bought the car, you'd have the car. And it's like, nah, I don't think that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this was just going to happen. Jill, you're not to blame. He did everything he should have done to get the car. Like you would have been so much angrier had he not asked you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I no. I no. To- totally agreed. And like, also the beginning of this episode she's like working on stuff for school she's studying or something like this like Mm -hmm. jill has other stuff to do the fact that she it's like i don't know the the reaction is well that sucks that tim isn't able to pursue this this ridiculous flight of fancy but okay not my problem that's life you live and you learn like the fact that she right immediately I don't know, and the, and also we get to this later on, but, like, buying... The issue isn't that Tim doesn't have another car, it's that Tim doesn't have the exact car that was his first ever car. That's why this right. was special to him. Buying him an identical copy of it does not fix any aspect of this problem. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of on board, though, I mean, with, with the effort, like... I don't know it does it, it doesn't quite land where it's it's trying to stick the landing but I I don't necessarily mind the trajectory it's going down like are, if we're going into the next scene um cuz they kind of flow together a little bit but I I mean look I I will say I totally understand the being in a relationship doing something that causes your partner to be hurt and feeling so bad about it that you are desperate to do something, anything to try and make it better. Like I get, I get that. That's a human and believable reaction. I think they just don't make enough out of it. Yeah. 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 I guess. Um, but I mean, you had a a salient point about, you know, it's not going to be the original car. There's that ship has sailed or that car has been crushed. I should say, uh, (laughs) like that's just not something that can ever happen again. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of losing track of my own argument here. I, I, the fact that she's trying, I, I is indicative of something like what else would she be trying for to make up that level of replacing something that means that much to her? I mean, you know, like this is the closest thing she can do. I, I, I mean, what's she gonna do? Buy him an, a, a wholly different car? I mean, I okay. I mean, not to be doing some fan fiction out of the blue, but Jill and Brad go to the junkyard after hours. They find the crushed car. She scavenges the drive shaft. No, not the drive shaft. The the uh, gear shift. Maybe the gear shift or the steering wheel from it and mounts it or i don't know on a wall in tim's garage Mm. or gives it to him and this way you'll always have a piece of the car with you the way it always stays with you and it's not as expensive and it's yeah yeah and it's a lot i stole this that dog humped my leg a little bit but that was well (laughs) worth the price i paid 25 bucks for it to get mounted uh and 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 the dog mounted me for free yeah um yeah I, i don't know i don't know i i i um yeah, so look, do we want to get into the next scene since we're already kind of like sliding into that? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so yeah, she and, she and Brad, next scene is just her and Brad uh, calling junkyards, looking on the internet, reading Corvair enthusiast magazines, and Jill gets a hold of Gunther, a German Chevy Corvair uh, aficionado who has one that they can buy. Yeah, 
and they do. I have one note for this scene, yes. which is, it, it, you know, it kind of, the last scene ends with Brad coming down and uh, saying, well, why don't you just check the internet? And Jill, in true boomer pa- parent mode, is like, well, why didn't you help me? <laughs> you do anything for your main mom. Um, parents need help with the internet. I, but does... Hashtag. Does she? Because the person I've... <laughs> Landon needs help with where hashtags go, <laughs> um, and, and the and the overall uh, trendiness and usefulness of hashtags. Um, but like, like, I, I, does Jill need help with the internet? Because the number one person using laptops on this show is Jill. Jill is the most true jacked in, wired information super road character on yeah. Home Improvement, and I'm kind of surprised that she suddenly needs Brad to give her a helping hand. Uh, but, you know, my mom could use a word processor. <laughs> she doesn't know how to find anything. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. That's but not true. I know my mom is pretty good about the internet. Yeah, and Jill is the smartest character on the show, so if anyone would know how to use the internet and find things, I, I don't know, I don't know. It, the internet was different back then. It doesn't matter. She just enlists Brad to help her, and she... they, they are looking through things. My whole point was that, she first, or he first suggests, why don't you check the internet? Then they start looking through classified ads and the newspaper and stuff. It's only at the end when Brad is looking through Corvair Club magazine that he's like, well, wait a minute. Here's one right here. And I'm like, well, why the fuck didn't you just start with Corvair Club magazine? <laughs> What? Like this seems like the most obvious place to start. Uh, we've we've checked we've checked everything. I guess the only other source we can try is people selling the exact type of Corvair Tim Wants magazine <laughs> issue one. <laughs> let's look, let's look in this issue of Tim's first car enthusiast magazine. May we might find something there. <laughs> I don't know. Also, the fact that his name is Gunther and and apparently has a very thick German accent and that Jill's response is to start pronouncing his name and talking to him in a German accent over the phone. <laughs> I I mean, I mean, good, make him make him feel at home. You know, he hears his mother tongue. Maybe he's more likely to give you a good, uh, a good deal on that uh, Corvair. Well, well, yeah, he, except- as it turns out, he gets the good deal. But um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, she finds it and she's gonna make she's gonna make a deal. Yep. And that's the end of that scene. Yep. And then tool time again. Tool time. I, I forgot about this, and I actually really, I really like this. Okay. Uh, minus the final joke, but um, Tim. I, I, so yeah, I think that this. Okay. Sorry, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll reserve my commentary for after the synopsis. So yeah, on tool time, Tim has started a service called Adopt a Car. And there's a phone number that you can call. Operators are standing by. The operators are Al and Heidi. Basically, uh, you call this number and, you know, they'll show you pictures of cars at a local junkyard. You pay the cheap price to adopt this car. And then Binford is paying for a young, like, you know, tradesmen or like car restorers you know aspiring mechanics whatever who are learning in schools and Mm -hmm. stuff to fix the cars up and restore them so it's like a charitable charitable program where young people learn to fix up cars and we just need people to sponsor cars from junkyards at low low prices for them to get restored 
Unfortunately, I'm on the phone with you uh, to record this. Uh, otherwise, I would say let's figure out what happens when you call one six hundred Z Cars for you. I, I I feel I feel like that'll probably connect you to the one eight seven seven Cars for Kids people. Um, com- <laughs> God, no! I can't hear that jingle again. Complete with complete with the Z's and the uh, and the fours. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> I it is so so what what I, okay and so yeah no one's calling it first as Tim is showing these pictures of cars but then Tim says okay if someone buys this one you can have lunch with the tool man you can have lunch with Heidi and yeah. then the the phones light up um yeah so him just volunteering Heidi not n- not my favorite thing not um, not great but also not the worst thing that's that's been not done. the worst yeah. thing so I'll tell you what the best thing was though is when he goes when the phones aren't ringing and he tries to spice up the deal by saying lunch with the tool man. Al is just like <laughs> waiting by the phone and he like, he does this, this thing where he hovers his hand over like, are you, you going to call? Are you, is it going to, is it going to ring? <laughs> and I don't know why it's just this little tiny performance by Richard Garn that tickled me so friggin' much. I, you know, that's, that's, that's some of the good carnage that you, uh, that you want in this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but what what about this, uh, you know, because to, for me, this felt just sort of like a forgettable tool time segment, but I also feel like I've been too harsh to judge a lot of aspects of this episode. So what what did you like about well, this? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I just like that one moment. It, it tickled me it, so much that it, you know, kind of painted the whole scene in a better light. So but a little bit I of will say, Richard Karn business, just improvising in the background of a scene made this your favorite scene in the episode. A little bit of Borland in my <laughs> life. Um the I, I, what I think in the episode that you're writing the fanfic about is where this is a more emotional episode. Like this feels like a great way for Tim to exercise his emotions a little bit mm-hmm. and be like, I don't want this to ever happen to another person ever again. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> it's kind of just a thrown off thing as it's written here and performed, but. There, there is a kind of an emotional undercurrent to it that makes sense that I would like to have seen, you know, infused into the DNA of the episode a little more. Yeah, yeah, where Tim Tim has big feelings about this, but he channels them into something positive and yeah. a way to, you know, help other people learn a trade and get the community involved and raise money for something good that, you know, right. is related to cars. And not in a... Not in an obsessive, all the cars must be mine, I have to drive Al's Ferrari sort of thing, but just, <laughs> right. you know, the, the community right. that can come up around them. I, you know, something that I that I was feeling watching this episode, and that I have honestly seen on other shows too and bugged me, I, and that I kind of liked that this episode, I, I liked that the episode was going in this direction of Tim being like, I had... You know, my, my first car, I found it in a junkyard. I really wanted to buy it back and, and get those memories back, but the car was crushed. Uh, instead, I'm going to keep the car's memory alive by, you know, doing this thing, mm-hmm. creating this program. I, I like that. I feel like a lot of shows tend to play the storyline of, oh, the, the you know, the main characters have some old thing that is worn out and run down and no good anymore. They're going to get a new thing that's better in every way, but then they feel so sentimental for the old bad thing that they get rid of the good new thing and bring back the old thing. Like that, I've I've seen this on a bunch of shows. Most recently, I saw it on Bob's Burgers, where it was with a couch. They their old couch is disgusting and gross and uncomfortable. 
It finally breaks. They get a new couch, and then, but seeing the old couch out on the curb makes them so nostalgic that they, you know, go move heaven and earth to get the the old couch back. And it's like, I, I wait mean, a minute. What? You just put me in mind of a uh, tool, uh, a home improvement episode. Oh, wait, the the, the which one? The swing set that turns into the gazebo. Okay, yes, except... If Tim's car was crushed, and then she's like, well, it's crushed, we can't do anything about it, can we turn it into something else? Yeah. I know you suggested just stealing something from it and you know commemorating it that way, but something that Tim can use, uh, then you're just repeating an old episode of Home Improvement. Well, but, but I mean, look, that's... I, I still I think that's a more dramatically satisfying ending. And the thing mm-hmm. the thing is that like the you know, the episode of Bob's Burgers or so many others is that it always ends with people, you know, this message of, oh no, but it's important to you know, we have fond memories with this thing and we love it, so we're gonna bring it back. So we're gonna sit on the disgusting, uncomfortable couch, or I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna buy this car that I really shouldn't be spending money on and that's gonna sit and rust in my front yard and or it's gonna be in my neighbor's yeah. garage forever and get like so it's putting forth this message when really like the healthier thing to do is to acknowledge that this thing meant something to me once, acknowledge that it no longer serves me a purpose, and acknowledge that you can have feelings about something and love something and keep uh, the memory of it alive without having to physically possess it and reorient your entire right. life around this. Like that's kind of unhealthy behavior. And so I like th- turning the old swing set into a gazebo that's like really beautiful. It's you maintain the essence of the thing, but you convert it into something that's now more useful for you. Tim mm-hmm. starting mm-hmm. cars for you is like, yeah, like I, I can't keep the, that would be ridiculous to do that. Let me instead put that into something more useful. Um, I like, yeah. I liked going in this direction and I kind of wish more shows would play that beat of like, not just, Oh, let's keep the old thing forever. We love it. But instead acknowledging the kind of nuance of having to move on with your life. Yeah, I, I don't know. It it feels like that would have been, I I don't know, I, I like an earlier season sort of thing to like introduce a new aspect of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, it might not be the car, you know, we're we're deviating, but just in concept of like, um, you know, Harry's hardware burned down, and and you know, in its wake, they built something new mm-hmm. that you know, involved all of them, like Tim pitches in money and, you know, they all invest and like that becomes a new staple of the show moving forward is this new thing that they've all invested, you know, something like that. Yeah. Kind of how I can see that playing out. Yeah. But it just is what it is. Should we go to the final scene here? Yes. Let's go to the final scene. Um, Tim comes home. Yep. And Jill, he's pissed off that he couldn't get in the garage. He's like, why do you keep blocking the fucking garage? I can't get in, goddammit. And she's like, oh, well, just walk over there. there." And uh, he does. He opens the garage door and... And? What happens? Uh, Opens the garage door and inside is a fully restored Corvair... Uh, Tim is shocked. You brought my car back from the dead. And Jill says, yes, she was going to, well, no, she doesn't say, yes, I brought your car back from the dead. That would be amazing. She says, uh, I was going to just get you a frame, but this guy had the fully restored one and he offered me a really good deal for it. She reveals that she traded her Austin Healey for this car. And Tim, uh, Tim says, you got freaking ripped off. Like, like, which is, makes a very good point. Like that's, yeah, that's probably not a good idea to do that. 
Jill explains that, oh, no, this is better. The whole family can fit in it. It doesn't have a bad electrical system. And uh, Tim insists that she take it back and, and undo the trade. But before doing that, they sit in the car and take an imaginary road trip into memories of their first date. And it gets a little bit randy. And not the boy in Costa Rica. <laughs> uh, I... I, I, yeah, I don't know where this, I, okay, so I understand the emotional beat at where this ends, and I kind of appreciate that, where Tim's kind of come to grips with, I'm not going to have my old car back, and, you know, this is an insane thing to do, but I still appreciate the gesture, this is the nicest thing you've ever done for me, mm-hmm. like, emotionally, that's great, the, the logistics of it, I don't quite understand, like, are, are we going to see the Healy again? Yeah. <laughs> or, or they get it. Is this a one-time Corvair sighting for us? <laughs> Which, uh, yes, that's that's my same question. Is like, so yeah, what actually happens? Do they stick with the Corvair? Or like, if I don't see her with the Healy, if we don't return to Healy normalcy at the end of the episode, then I don't know what to trust. <laughs> I... I mean, I really do like that. You know what? Okay, you know, I like this episode more than I thought I did. I like that the <laughs> end. You, you got me. You turned. You turned my my cold heart. You. I was. I was completely cold, like Jack Frost, and you, with your magical warming hug oh, no. of talking me through the episode, turned me back into just a normal Joel Austin looking Martin Short. Uh, because <laughs> and. And what is the North Pole resort, if not fan fiction, for the North Pole? <laughs> every every perfect dark uh, fanfic I wrote started with me doing a big singing and dancing, uh, you know, uh, routine. <laughs> perfect dark, perfect dark. Da, da, na, na. Uh, <laughs> I because also Tim Allen I think performs very well in this scene because he sees the car yeah. and he's not just like oh amazing. He's not like you know, completely overjoyed by it. He's kind of made contemplative and talks to Jill. Like he, he says the thing that I said earlier about how it's not about the car. It's, it's, you know, it's not about just any car. It had to be the specific one that I had. This is the nice, right. we, I can't let you do this, you know? And I, I, I like Tim has come to this place of maturity and in a very sort of, I think understated way. And, and he's not resentful or griping about it at all. And they, they, yep. they do have a sweet moment together in the car, admittedly one based around, you know, talk, talking about, you know, making out at a, at a drive-in. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it was, I, well, and I mean, listen, I wouldn't be me if I didn't mention, <laughs> Uh, the the double feature that they saw at the drive-in oh, of course. The Omen and The Exorcist. <laughs> the two horniest movies in the world. The That is like a four-hour <laughs> drive-in festival. That is, those are two very long movies. I, I and, and also, like, that they saw The Omen on their first date, and then Joel was like, yeah, you know what? I am going to have three children with you. I feel... <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a great I guess she didn't make that decision on the night but you'd think that would make right. it uh, an impression um <laughs> yeah I I well but uh, and also though I mean perhaps yes that is a long time at the drive-in but we also know that Tim's favorite movie is Spartacus which is also quite a long movie so I, I true we true he, he has an attention span you, you got to give him that yeah should we go to the singer yeah let's do it um, they are watching the video that Mark has put together for Brad, and all it contains is 
My name's Brad Taylor, and I want to play soccer for you. And a little bit of footage of him on the field. Yep. I mean, presumably there was a lot of soccer footage of him before the one line. I mean, it's it's not just four seconds of Brad kicking a soccer ball, and then I'd love to come play for your school. Maybe, I, but, you know, without context of, like, it's not like they could see Brad's face on the wide shot of the soccer field. I guess you could maybe see his name on the back of the thing, but it seems like a lot of work that someone has to do to go, now, which player am I watching here? Yeah, I, I mean, tr- truthfully, well, that's on Mark, though. Maybe Mark's not as good of a director as we think. He should have been there on the field. He should have gotten close-ups <laughs> and better coverage. Probably had a second unit crew. Just- Right in their faces. You, you, yeah, well, you get you get a shot of of uh, Brad kicking the ball, and then you just cut to a shot of the ball flying right into the goal. He doesn't like you can edit that in as many times as you want. He looks like an amazing soccer yeah, player. That's true. Um, I want to point out uh, on the size of the TV that we're watching this on, we see um, the the the. Hitchcock videos of how to make a uh, series. Oh, <laughs> and uh, here are just a we, we see five of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is how to make shelves, mm-hmm. uh, how to make a table, part one, mm-hmm. how to make a table, part two, how to make a greenhouse. Ooh, that escalated. <laughs> how to make a how to make or how to make a how to video. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, uh, that's uh, that. You think that that's what Mark, uh, that, like m- watching that, was kind of Mark's uh, gateway into filmmaking? Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, Although I do, I do appreciate that Mark puts a Mark Taylor film at the end of Brad's <laughs> submission video. I, I'm just glad he. I, I'm glad he didn't call it a Mark Taylor joint. Um, <laughs> also, I'm. I'm. Su- Although in this case, I, 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 I'm aging into fuck the auteur theory. Uh, but in this case, I don't think Mark had any help uh, outside of himself for this vision, bringing this vision to life. So um, I do think it's appropriate to to call it a Mark Taylor film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obvi- you know, I the, the aside from the help that he has of living in an upper middle class family where he has access to a to a video camera. I mean, well, there's a little yes. he's a little bit of a nepo baby. Let's not let's not fully cut him. Yeah, off. I guess. Well, and, and his dad works in television production, so actually, uh, you know, I I mean, I, but I did they produce this particular video? They did not produce this particular video. I'm just saying we can't ignore the fact that he had he had a leg up in some ways. Um, and also, look, I, I this is this is bad comedy, but I'd be remiss if I don't ask. So we've got all the how to make videos on there. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that they are missing the most famous how to make video. Say it with me, folks: How to make an American quilt, right? Pause for laughs. <laughs> Pause for laughs. Look it up. <laughs> it was a movie in theaters. Jared Leto's uh, Jared Leto's screen debut. Um, oh, you, you you did this in our nights episode. I gotta look up. I'm not sure it's his debut. I'm not sure it's his debut. Oh come on, come wait. No, really, it was Sarah Polly in it. Oh man, you guys, you, subscribe to Gruntwork Nights so you can listen to Landon just spouting off about all his Sarah Polly knowledge. Oh, uh, let's see here. He was in Camp Wilder, almost home, cool in the crazy Rebel Highway, my so-called life. This is not all before he was in How to Make an American Quilt. Wow. Well, okay, but but who could forget Sarah Pauly in the movie Pauly with Tony Shalhoub about the about the parrot that has adventures? Um, anyway, so uh, what else do we do on this podcast? <laughs> what else do we do? Uh, we get some bloops at the end of the episode. Um, some weird thing is happening on Tool Time where they're trying to amp themselves up, and then 
Like the whole audience is screaming and Tim is just yelling and shouting. They're just like the energy, like the, the energy wasn't high enough for the laugh track, I guess. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, and then we get to a scene in the garage where Tim is going to open the door for Jill and he forgot he locked it. So, Whoop. um, I mean, it was funny in the moment. You can't really describe a blooper and make it funny on a podcast. No, that's very not. That has not stopped us from trying for all these years. <laughs> no, it hasn't. But um, Truman Landon, what did we learn from this episode? Um, we learned that a that you don't know what you got till it's gone, and b that if you mm. love something, sometimes you gotta let it go. What did you let learn? It go, let it go. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I, Can you tell I've never heard that song? <laughs> I, yeah, it is. It is great. You were you were one step away from talk singing it. Actually, that should have been what we opened with. <laughs> uh, what did I learn? Don't fuck with a basset hound because they're immortal and they have full control over android jalopinists mm-hmm. who will crush your childhood dreams. And, and also, they you know they fuck. They are horny and they um and they want your legs apparently. Yeesh. I, I, I the the show said it. I'm just I'm just here bearing witness. Uh, You're true. You're true. I, I that's it's the first half of my name. Um. <laughs> so Landon, it's been a while since I've completely lost it at the end of an episode, but I'm here. It's, I'm uh, I'm unraveling. Okay. Okay. Well, let me just ask you, Landon. How many grunts do you think there were in this episode? Uh? <laughs> well, well, that is yes. That's the sound of a grunt. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. I I have an answer. I have an either or answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna. So I I have a. Here's the situation. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna answer what I think you put. All right. And I'm not here to 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 fight you on this. Okay. But I I have to do my due diligence in asking the questions. You know I'm going to back you no matter what. Of course, of course. We're not like those but guys in that movie. But I have to ask movie. the questions. Yeah, of course. So my guess for what you wrote down is three. Mm-hmm. Is that the answer? But I, I get the impression from you that you don't think it should be three. Well, I'm not saying I don't think it should be three, but there was a moment in that first cluster that I wondered about. It's an edge case, Landon. It's an edge case. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, I actually put down four, but I debated really hard. Because Tim Tim is talking about his formative days at the junkyard smelling pools of Freon or whatever, and he goes, ah, ha, ha, ha. Like, and the last... He goes, yeah. The last one is, is... turned away from the camera and kind of shouted into a muffler almost. Yeah. <laughs> Which probably affected the acoustics. Um, yeah. But it's, for a se- it sounds a little bit like he's saying, yeah, which would be talking, which is not. Oh. But it doesn't, like, I, it's hard to say if that is said with the intention of it being him saying, yeah, or if him just grunting and kind of grunting and ending an, oh. Wow. Well, which is worth debating because the grunt clusters come in three or fives they don't really come in fours i know so we get the oh, oh, oh. we get the oh, 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 oh. yeah but we don't get the oh, 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 oh. like that's not a thing that we've established at this point so yeah i would understand if you went with the three and if he went r r r 
Yeah. Like, if I really heard a why at the beginning, just the dumbest thing, how much we're mm. grinding right now and people are listening to. But, like, if, if I had really heard him enunciate that as a word more... I feel like I would call, I wouldn't count that as a grunt, but in, I mean, it seems like it's just, the fact that he did it accidentally almost, like, instead of going for five and instead of fully saying yeah, I think makes it a grunt. He couldn't stop the grunt momentum. (laughs) Yeah, he couldn't. The the grunts were just spilling out. I haven't grunted in so long. (laughs) I'm so, I have no control over the grunts anymore. That's okay, Tim. It happens to lots of guys. It's okay. Like. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I really think I kind of think that was it. Like he, he, he forgot, <laughs> he forgot how it worked, and things just got, you know, got a little out of hand. Um, I, yes. Okay. So what's the final count? The, the final count is four for this episode. I'm calling it four. Okay. I, All right. L- four it is. Lock r- it in. Write us. Lock the gates. Pow. Mark Marin. Um. Put a bloodhound in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, put a put a bloodhound on the other side of the gates. I, w- I want to be separated from this bloodhound. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, Truman, is there anything else you want to talk about that we didn't talk about? In this I, episode? I mean, I mean, no, we've talked about, in fact, more than I wanted to talk about, because when I started this episode, I was not thinking we would discuss fan fiction quite so much. I mean, how would you... How would you sexualize this episode? How would I sexualize this episode? Well, I actually, I, I pulled this up about an hour ago, and, and it's just the fanfiction.net page for Home Improvement. Um, oh, no. So let me, no. let me just see. Let me see if I can get any ideas on how to... Uh, it's just going to be Tim fucking Cars. I mean, well, let's see. We've got uh, we've got uh, Xander, from, Xander from Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the TV show Home Improvement, but I don't know if that gets... What? that gets sexy oh uh full house home improvement crossover which is rated as romance uh-huh. I, i've completely moved away from the microphone at this point uh, come back let's see al saying grr i am frankenstein uh for, oh i think this is a halloween <laughs> How episode is that, fa- is that can a tweet be a fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> I I think I think so. I mean, it's got there. It's a very short story, but it's flash fiction. But I mean, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, Hemingway would approve. You know, grr. Okay, you've got my attention. I am. This has created suspense. Who is? And we know that it's Al. So it's Al. Like, who is Al going to say that he is Frankenstein? Boom. It's it's alive. Yeah, there. Um, it's Al live. It, it's. Okay, now that that actually that's the, that's the name of Al's late night talk show. Um, you know, look, I could I could I could sift through this very uh very confoundingly written uh uh crossover fanfic all afternoon or I could just reflect on this in my spare time and then come back in our next episode with some home improvement fanfiction corner, which I think I will. Uh no, so I don't have anything else I need to discuss tonight, Landon. Um do we want to do want to wrap this this up before we do anything else we regret? I do, I do, but I don't think I can. Okay, uh, if you know, gr- work is brought to you by viewers like you, um, if, uh, if rate and subscribe <laughs> us on wherever you get your podcasts, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else, it really helps us out. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at gruntworkpod. Uh, we're not currently on Twitter anymore. Uh, or you can find us online at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. 
Uh, oh, and uh, yeah, wait. Also, subscribe to our Patreon uh, uh, for Grunt Work Nights, where you can get uh, weekly bonus episodes that are a lot like this. Uh, you know, just full of tangents, but on the plus side, you get to pay uh, at least a dollar a month to hear them. Um, did I did I miss anything, Landon? Uh, you did not. No. Okay. Perfect. One for one. Um. So the, wait. So then, is that it? So then, until next week, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement, I've been Truman Caps. And remember, if your co-host has a mental breakdown that lasts more than four hours, contact your doctor immediately. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>